Welcome to the porch. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics of the Word of God, following the example of the Book of Acts Church, and in doing so, we discover how the early church served the Lord. We dig deeper into Scripture. We don't water it down. We don't filter it. And in doing so, discover the church the Lord intended and not the one that man created. The Porch is an online community of believers restoring the priesthood of the believer and the world-shaking influence that the early church had. The church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. We believe the fire of the upper room still burns. The Porch is an outreach. Solomon's Porch, Inc., a Florida non-for-profit since January of 2000. On Solomon'sPorch.org is that main website if you want to connect with us. Or you can go to FirefallTalkRadio.com to connect with us there as well. We're also on Facebook under Firefall Talk Radio. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site, the main broadcasting site for Firefall Talk Radio. The only place you'll hear live Bible studies. You can subscribe on the app. It'll let you know when things have been posted. Of course, we archive here and other places. We're also found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud. We've added Podcast Addict, Deezer, and CastBox. And, of course, we're back on Blog Talk Radio for those of you that are still connected to us there. We appreciate everyone that listens. We are increasing our reach, awakening the remnant. Please let us know where you're listening to The Porch. If you want to support what we do, there are two ways to do that. You can go to a PayPal link at the bottom of Firefall Talk Radio's homepage, or you could use the Venmo app. It's easier to use, less fees, which can be found where we can be found, I'm sorry, as at Firefall Media Group, one word, uppercase on the F, the M, and the G. And we appreciate each and every one of you that support us and encourage us just give us the Lord leads. We, we're we not real big on promoting that. We just figure the Lord will put it on your heart. And so we're just thankful. We're thankful to each and every one of you that support what we do. I try to keep up with it when they come in to say thank you. If I've missed one or two, hear it from me now. Thank you. Anyone not wanting to hear the community part of the porch can do, jump directly to the chapter marked Shofar to go right into the lesson. Or if you want that community feeling, stick with us. We always start out with praise reports and prayer requests. I praise the Lord for my home, my wife, my family, uh, sons, daughter-in-laws, grandson, our furry kids, our possessions. I praise him because it all came from him. If you know my testimony, I tried to walk away from it. I tried to give it up. The enemy tried to convince me. To destroy all of that, and the Lord saved me and gave it all back to me and more. I praise him for his protection over us. No matter what's going on, he covers us. We're always in his eye line. I praise him for this ministry, the one that he lets me work for him, for the dreams and the visions and things that are happening right now in the spirit realm. I'm incredible time of prayer this afternoon with my SRT associate, Larry, I'm just thankful that we have access to the throne room. I praise him for his healing virtues, to be able to praise him for everything in everything, no matter what. So I praise him for his favor and divine revelation, 
for being a new creation and living in these prophetic times. I know many people believe, oh, he's not coming anytime soon, and I believe that would be a mistake. The book of Acts Church always had an eye on the sky looking for the Lord and an eye on the job. We should always be ready for his return. I praise him for living in America. We have our problems, as many places do, but I'm thankful we live here. We can worship him freely. We can do things like the porch. I praise him for the signs that he's getting ready to return. I can't give you a time date, and I wouldn't even bother to try, but I can tell you the signs are there. We pray for the Middle East. We pray for Israel. pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We follow the mandate in Psalm 122, verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. I pray for America and its leaders and its citizens, those in authority, those that are serving. We're in a time of unrest and turmoil that goes beyond politics. The spirit of the Antichrist is out and about doing its thing, and part of the turmoil is that. So I pray for all the evil to be exposed and dealt with. I know that true justice will not happen until people stand before him, but I can hope for modicums of justice in the here and now. I pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents in and out of the womb, the victims of injustice, the slaughter of the innocent. We, we just have really, as I look at what goes on with, with humans and animals and what we do, we have really not been good stewards of his creation. And I pray that people would wake up to that. I pray for the missing and exploited children victims of sex trafficking, human trafficking, a satanic, diabolical endeavor that I target in prayer every day. Pray for our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith. If you don't subscribe in emails and newsletters to Voice of the Martyrs or, or some of the others, you need to. You need to be conscious of what's going on in the world. I pray against the religious persecution and the anti-Semitism for both the church and our Jewish brothers and sisters. As I mentioned, the spirit of the Antichrist grows bolder and bolder as the time comes for its personal unveiling. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and continued healing as we get back to our divine design. Right now, I believe that in the name of Yeshua, the name of Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, that if you would speak to your body, and I don't mean some new age woo-woo kind of stuff, I mean dealing with the fact that you were fearfully and wonderfully made and that your DNA was designed in accordance with his programming. And whether through lineage, blood lineage in your birth, this world, things you've done to yourself or had done to you, the programming has been corrupted. So each and every day I pray for my DNA to get back to its divine design. It's me speaking to things not as they are, but as they should be. So I'm praying for healing in my wife, Deb, and all of you that have injuries or are dealing with pain right now, that in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, be healed, be made whole. Let the Lord's Holy Spirit knit you back together. Praying for protection, inspiration. I'm praying for the remnant to wake up. Folks, I believe the church at large is asleep and will stay asleep. I believe it has moments of trying to come out of its slumber, but never does it. It's caught up in the business of church, 
I'm not speaking to them. I don't preach or teach to them. I'm speaking to the remnant. I'm speaking to those that want to make a difference, to those that want to stand up to the powers of darkness, to those that want to get people saved, healed, and delivered. And I say, wake up. Rise up. Answer the call to action. I'm calling for those who have been blessed to be a blessing. Manna no longer falls from the sky. Money does not miraculously appear in the bank accounts. Probably get in trouble if it did. So he has given it to people to be conduits of blessings. So I'm praying that those conduits would open wide and the blessings would flow. We have things to do that we, we should prosper in accordance with his word for his kingdom. The dreams, the visions, the missions, uh, the documentary that we need to finish, the, the things that SRT does, that Firefall does. We'd also like to be able to fund and support others that have similar agendas and missions. Becoming highly mobile, highly effective. With everything going on, we've decided we're going to drive and not fly. We'd like to own our own equipment. And we believe that we have something to say and something to show. And with the lack of content out there, people will want to see it. I ask to continue to pray for divine favor in things and adversity our family is going through. And finally, always pray for lost family members. Don't let them don't let them go without telling the truth. Woody in Central Florida has a prayer request for his father who has checked back into the rehab center today. He's asking for prayer that he finally finishes it this time without just checking himself out. He's in bondage to alcohol and praying that God delivers him from the addiction because his body will not be able to handle all the abuse eventually and praying that God saves him. And Woody said, thank you, Porch family. Peggy in Alabama is asking for prayer for Haitian missionaries that she knows that need favor and they need provision and need protection. Folks, I'm going to say it again. If you're not praying for the missionaries, if you're not praying for your brothers and sisters around the world, begin to do so. Kim in Fort Mitchell wants everybody to know things are good, but there's a lot going on. But no matter what, she praises him for his love and her salvation. Praises him for keeping her sober every day for her children, her dog. Bruno, her, the rest of her family, furry or not, sorry, Kim, I, my eyes jumped ahead there, the porch community, and everything he provides. She says it's a gift to walk through life in a relationship with my creator, and I'm grateful for that. She has a few specific prayer requests, so she's asking for protection over her children, her family, her marriage, the dog Bruno, which is really a furry family member, her house and possessions, and, of course, for the porch community. Says, Father, please guide my son Maurice, deliver him and speak to him. He needs to hear from you. Father, I'm still praying for pay raise at work. Please make the situation available. Give me the right words. She's asking for help through a financial struggle and favor that she needs. Uh, praise for the victims of human trafficking, especially the children. She's asking the Lord to make it stop. Well, he will eventually when he comes back. Uh, her daughter, London, needs you, Lord. Fill her heart with your love and compassion. Should help me when I struggle with forgiveness. Protect us through this dark month of October with all this demonic energy everywhere we go. Provide, bless, and favor the porch community and SRT in Jesus' name. Lord, we come to you. We come to you in love. We love you. We're thankful. We praise you. Abba Father, Papa God, Daddy. We're your children. We need you. 
Each and every one of us needs you, needs to hear from you, needs a touch from you. We thank you for sending Yeshua to do what he did for us, to shed his blood, to cover us and to undo the bondage to sin and death and to set us free. We thank you that we have been reconciled to you and we've been made a part of your family. Lord, we thank you for all that you did, all that you're doing. We can't wait to see you again. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that you sent to teach us and to walk with us. We need him now more than ever. We need the fruit. We need the the gifts. We need the overflowing presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives to shine into the darkness of this world, to set the captives free, to light a way home. Now, Lord, bless this time. Bless the word. Bless the technology. And Holy Spirit, I say, have your way with us. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. You know, it just dawned on me, some of you are new. We've been picking up listeners in the other places, and you might wonder why I always do the shofar in the beginning. The shofar is a call to worship. It's a call to attention. And I play it so that at that moment, you can become aligned with the Spirit. You can get your mind lined up with getting ready to hear the Word. The sound of the shofar, which I believe we'll hear when the Lord comes back, can be for victory, it can be for war, it can be for worship. Here it's a little bit of all three. We're just calling you to get ready to receive Now, we've been starting out with Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, every week. This week, I'm just going to read you the variation I created for the porch. Abba, Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Let your kingdom come and rule on earth as it does in heaven. Give us our daily bread like the manna in the wilderness and the living bread of Yeshua. Forgive us as we forgive others and let go of debts and any resentment we have against others. Lead us away from the snares and temptations of the evil one's kingdom, for yours is the kingdom we seek, and its power and glory forever. This week I've been praying in accordance with that prayer. When I speak to him about my needs, when I speak to him about my life, when I speak to him about the porch or firefall or SRT or the dreams and the visions, I begin to pray that whatever we're doing, whether it's the money we need or whatever, that it would be in accordance with his will in heaven that it happened here. I'm not asking for the world to bless me. I'm not asking for the will of people. I'm asking for his will in my life. So last time we were talking about kingdom thinking. And one of the, the scriptures we ended with was Philippians 4 verses 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, 
whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. These do, and the God of peace will be with you. Well, how do you do that? How do you get kingdom thinking? How does this happen? Well, it happens by being in the Word and the Word being in you. So for tonight and next week, we're going to be talking about the Bible as a kingdom manual. Now, you might say, how do you know that you're doing it for two weeks? Because you don't normally do that, Richard. You go, you'll carry on, but that's because I gathered so many notes for today that I have two weeks' worth of stuff. <laughs> so that's how I know we'll be doing this next time. Second Timothy 2, verses 14 and 15. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words, to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, of course, that's Paul speaking to Timothy. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly explains the word of truth. So he's giving an order to Timothy to be diligent. Well, the word diligence means steady, earnest, and energetic effort, devoted, painstaking work, and application to accomplish an undertaking. The word diligent is an adjective. It means to be constant in your efforts to accomplish something, attentive, persistent in doing anything. That word diligent occurs 39 times in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 28.1, which is the blessings on obedience. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. Diligence. That's what it's all about. I find that most people that struggle in their walk are people that don't spend enough time in the Word. There's not enough of the Word in them, and therefore they get beaten up by the world and by the enemy. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him. 2 Peter 3.14 is about being steadfast. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. It doesn't just happen. You have to put the effort in. You can join a gym, but if you don't show up and put in the work and do what must be done diligently, you will never lose weight. You'll never get in shape. But how does this apply to what we're talking about here, getting your spirit man in shape? Well, we spend time with him and in his word. You have to block out time just for him. Billy Graham said, the message of God's word is the total answer to man's total need. It is the good news of forgiveness, faith, peace, power, purpose, and heaven. 
In the Bible, man discovers what he is to believe, what he is to be about, and what his future holds. Someone has written, if a man's Bible is coming apart, it's an indication that he himself is fairly well put together. Well, I mean, it does mean that it's been opened and closed, but a Bible that's falling apart, I remember during um, when I was at Christian Heritage and many times that I've been with um, my spiritual father and mentor, Pastor Shelley, that he'd have a Bible that was so filled with notes and used and bent that he was holding it together with a big rubber band. My favorite Bible, the one that traces all the way back to when I um, got to Tallahassee in 1990, it's my. It's the one I like to bring with me when SRT goes out. It's the. It's my. It's my power Bible. It's the one I've taken into war. Well, it's being the binding is being held together by gorilla tape, that black, really strong tape, and the inside. I just have to be real careful not to open it too far because those really soft parchment-like pages will just fly off. It. It. It's comforting. I know that the power is not in the page, the words on the page. It's in me, and he's the word. But there's something about it. There's a familiarity. It's imbued with his spirit that has spoken to me and my spirit as I've received it. So we're going to talk about two types of word, but concentrating on one. There's the logos and the rhema. The logos is the living word. It's the Greek word for wisdom or reason. And that comes from John 1, one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was what was God, and the Word was with God. First Peter one twenty three says, Amplified, For you have been born again, that is, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose, not of seed which is perishable, but from that which is imperishable and immortal, that is, through the living an everlasting word of God. The Logos is the written word of God recorded in the Bible. The Rhema, which is a lesser-known Greek word, refers to the personal or the spiritual. It refers to God speaking to you. Well, you know that he speaks to you, right? Your father is not silent. He's a speaking father. He's a speaking God. The problem is... We're so busy with the sounds of this world and with the noise of our life, we don't take time to listen. He wants to communicate with us not only through his word, but speaking directly to us in particular situa- situations that usually come from reading the word. That's the Rama word, something that we can know experientially. John 6.63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Last week we talked about Jesus is the life. He brings life. He holds life together. The Holy Spirit brings that to us. Both the Logos and the Rhema are vital to your walk. The Word speaks to you in His rhema. His Word, through His Holy Spirit, communicates with you. We need to store that up. We need to have those words instantly when we need them. We need to be able to speak them back, to speak His written Word. I've been praying 
And as you know, I tell you about SRT and the, the things that we want to do and the missions. And, the, and we've been praying for provision. And I was honest enough to tell the Lord this morning that the delays and the hiccups were making me heart sick. But then I remembered the rest of the scripture in Proverbs. And I, I want to read it to you. I wasn't, I wasn't even preparing to do it. It just, right now I'm, I'm what I used to call freestyling. <laughs> Hold on, let me read it to you. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Don't don't become heart sick. It happens. It can happen to you just by you dwelling on what's not happening instead of dwelling on what his promises are. Uh, the conf- the confirmation words that he's given you, the dreams and the vision, you have to count on who he is. He's as good as his word, the written word. So what we're talking about is the Logos, the written word, the Bible. I've been wanting to teach on this for a, a while. I've been talking about it for weeks, and here we are. Uh, Philo, who was a um, Jewish Alexandrian theologian and philosopher, he wrote a lot about Logos and in ways that lined up were reminiscent of New Testament theology. One of his teachings was for the Logos of the living God being the bond of everything and has been said before, holds all things together, binds all the parts and prevents them from being loosened or separated. Is there scripture to verify that? See, no matter what I say to you, I will always back it up with Scripture. If it doesn't line up with the Word, it must be rejected. Colossians 1.17, he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. If I back up to verse 15, he is the exact living image, the essential manifestation of the unseen God the visible representation of the invisible, the firstborn, the preeminent one, the sovereign and the originator of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created and exist through him, by his activity and for him and He himself existed and is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the controlling, cohesive force of the universe. And if you study quantum physics, if you study any of the teachings, whether uh, um, scriptural, spiritual, or scientific, you come away with the sense that there is something holding everything together. And I know that's Yeshua. I know that's him. In the book by Paul E. Little called Know Why You Believe, this is what he said. After 2,000 years, no question is going to bring Christianity crashing. God's revelation is designed to make us, well, he says Christians, I use the word believers, not scientists. He made everything. He made everything out of nothing. 
he made everything good. I mean, you don't have to be a quantum physicist. You don't have to be a science scientist to understand that he made everything. He made everything out of nothing. And he made everything good. I believe the Bible is the cohesive force that holds together the kingdom of God. And he holds that together by his very being. He is supreme over all things. From Wilmington's Guide to the Bible by Dr. H.L. Wilmington, which is good if you're going to name something Wilmington's Guide to the Bible, the author should be the name, uh, printed by the Tyndale House. Often God is thought as a creator, thought of as a creator, a redeemer, a shepherd, a judge. This is correct thinking, of course, for he does indeed function in all those roles. But there is one great accomplishment of God which is almost always left off the divine attribute list compelled by men. The wonderful but forgotten role is that of author. God has written a book, and that profound and priceless book is the Bible. As testified to by any human author, the nicest thing you can say to an author is, Oh, yes, I've read your book. Can you say that to him? Can you say, I've read your book? And, you know, when I saw who the printer's name was Tyndale, it reminded me of William Tyndale, who was an English scholar and a leading figure in the Protestant Reformation, all the way up to his execution on October 6, 1536, at the age of 42. His heart's desire was to translate the Bible into English so that the everyday person could understand it. One of his quotes was, I will cause a boy who drives a plow to know more of the scriptures than the Pope. Now, of course, I will admit that's probably not much of a goal. I probably should have gone there, but I'm sure that he got many a young boy of his day to know more of the scriptures than the Popes of his day. According to the introduction to the Old Testament and the New English Bible, Sir Godfrey Driver said Tyndale's translation was the first English Bible to draw directly from Hebrew and Greek texts, the first English translation to take advantage of the printing press, the first of the new English Bibles of the Reformation, and the first English translation to use Jehovah as God's name as preferred by English Protestant reformers. It was taken to be a direct challenge to the hegemony of both the Catholic Church and the laws of England maintaining the church's position. Well, it did, and they didn't care for it very much. That's why Tyndale was strangled and burned at the stake. But as he was dying, he cried out, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. Well, you know what? It happened in 1611. A Bible was commissioned by King James and the 47 scholars who produced the King James Bible drew significantly from Tyndale's original work and other translation that had descended from his. One estimate suggests that the New Testament in the King James Version is 83% Tyndale's words and the Old Testament 76%. It cost him his life. But he got the job done. The preaching of God's word is hateful and contrary unto them. Why? For it is impossible to preach, 
to preach Christ except you preach against the Antichrist. That is to say, them which with their false doctrine and violence of the sword enforce to quench the true doctrine of Christ. If you haven't figured it out, the secular world doesn't want your Bible. They would prefer that you didn't know the Bible. And I know this is going to get me in trouble, and if any of you out there are Roman Catholic, I can only speak from my personal experience. I was encouraged not to read the Bible. When I would bring questions to the priest in uh, Catholic elementary school and high school, I was told, you know, you shouldn't read the Bible so much. Let us teach it to you. It's getting you all twisted up. But once my eyes were opened, I understood why they didn't want me to read the Bible. It messed up with their theology and their desires for me. So, what does God say about Well, a very common, repeated command is to read his word and to respond to it. To let it inspire you to action. Joshua, Joshua 1, eight. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall read out loud and meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will be successful. Now, modern Christian teachers render Torah as the law, but they, the Jewish rabbis, describe the Torah as instructions or teachings. He gave us instructions. I know I've seen the main Bible, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth, and I think that's really cute and creative, but it's so much more than that. That almost demeans what the Bible is. It's so much more. It's a manual for the kingdom. It's your life manual. Everything you need to know about anything is in there or will inspire you to know what you need to know. And you've been told to meditate on it. And that's not the typical New Age, open your mind, clear your mind, make the noise, do the hum, cross your legs, your feet, your ankles, uh, uh, hold your finger. No, no, no. That's the enemy counterfeiting the real meaning to meditate. The Hebrew word denotes an active recitation, a speaking of God's words. That's why he says it shall not depart from your mouth. It's helping you to seek understanding and his goal for your life. The Hebrew word is hagad, H-A-G-A-D, and it means to moan or growl or make a noise. Isn't it interesting? Later on, the Bible talks about making groanings, which cannot be uttered, which is done by the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit speaking for you when you don't know what to say. Uh, the, the Hebrew scholar and linguist Rabbi Samson Hirsch explains that the Haggad is the act of thinking which demands expression. He said, when I study the Word of God, I tend to give quiet yet verbal thoughtful expressions like, yes, oh, wow, with such childlike exclamations when I happen upon the deeper understanding of God's Word for me. Oh, it's like reading something, amen, or, Hallelujah. Praise your Lord. You are reading, you are speaking, you are responding so that when you meditate on his word, when you study, 
You do it to such a degree that it creates a wow factor in you. That you're delighting in the instructions of God and desire to Haggad, to meditate on it day and night. Folks, when you get hungry for the Word, I remember when I first got saved, I was hungry. You could, I wanted to read the Bible. I wanted to read books about the Bible. I wanted people to explain to me about what I was reading. I'd call, I'd, at that point, I was still in New York. I hadn't made the transition to Tallahassee. I'd call Shelley up at all hours of the night knowing he'd probably be in his office studying. And I'd be asking him questions and going, what does this mean? And when he made the statement, could it mean this? And I was just so in-depth and so tied up in the Holy Spirit, he told one of his associates, one of his associate pastors, he looked at him because the man was listening in on the conversation. And, and Shelley said, Richard's asking me questions that I didn't contemplate till fourth year of seminary. And I don't say that to exalt me, but I am somebody that does everything a thousand percent. And if you get me, heart, mind, soul, and spirit, if you've got me locked in, I, I can't get enough. I can feel it right now. My spirit man is stirred up. I'm talking about the word. I'm reading the word. I'm sharing you with you verbally how I feel. And my spirit man's going, yeah, wow, woo. I can hear that. You can't. But it should be something that inspires you to want more. 2 Timothy 2.15, again, study and do your best to present yourself to God, approved, a workman tested by trial, who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of God. Be a good worker. Of course, he's talking to Timothy, and he's talking about ministry. But whether you're in ministry or not, you have a job to do in his kingdom. That's to go make disciples, to tell others. You'll never need to be ashamed if you've spent your time meditating a God on the Word, and you'll be able to correctly explain the Word of truth. See, Paul was instructing Timothy, his son in ministry, that a mature believer should not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. Be diligent. Present yourself to prove to God, Timothy. A worker who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, that doesn't mean separating it. That means to accurately interpreting the biblical text. Boy, do we need a whole lot of that today. Everybody's got their own translation. They've got their own meaning. They've got their own understanding. They have manipulated the word to fit their beliefs instead of manipulating their beliefs to fit the word. If he said it, I believe it. If it's in red letters, don't mess with it. I mean, don't mess with any of it. But if you're going to come to me and say, oh, he didn't really say that, I'm going to call you a liar. But this this attitude of rightly interpreting and explaining the word, it's called hermeneutics. The Encyclopedia Britannica explains hermeneutics as the study of the general principles of biblical interpretation. For both Jews and Christians throughout their history, the primary purpose of hermeneutics and the exit 
exegetical methods employed in interpretation, why did I suddenly read like, like William Shatner? I don't know. Has been to discover the truths and values of the Bible. Psalm 12, verse 6, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a, finest, a furnace of the earth, purified seven times. Later on in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, Paul says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And there's the kingdom of God connection. What is the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Who's teaching you the word? The Holy Spirit is teaching you what the Lord and the Father said. He is expanding it. He's expounding upon it. He's making you connected to the kingdom and to the throne room. What does it mean to be approved by God? Well, it's what remains after testing like the metal that has been refined in fire. Fire is uncomfortable, I get it. Nobody wants to be refined in the fire of the Holy Spirit. But you are not going to get rid of the dross and the sludge of your old nature unless you do that. Rightly dividing means literally cutting it straight. In the word of truth, it's just the very nature of Scripture. It's a beacon of truth in the darkness. It's a beacon of truth to expose all falsehoods and false teachings. Paul's basically saying the word of truth is like a road being built or a furrow being plowed, both of which must be straight. So the good workman, the good teacher, must be accurate and clear in his exposition of God's word. And, of course, keeping to the road himself make it easy for others to follow, and therein lies the problem. Most teachers don't do what they say. They're just trying to regale you with how much they know. And many of them really have no intention of changing your life. But there are many, like myself, we don't do this for personal gain. We don't use this for uh, promoting ourselves. This is about you. This is about the flock. This is about the Lord. Teachers of the Bible should make every effort to handle it properly, reverently, and accurately. And you want to know why? Because failure to do so will lead to divine judgment. It says it in James 3.1. Not many of you should become teachers, serving in an official teaching capacity, my brothers and sisters. For you know that we who are teachers will be judged by a higher standard, because we have assumed greater accountability and more condemnation if we teach incorrectly. Over the time here on the porch, I've taught a lot about the Holy Spirit. Because you can't do this without the Holy Spirit. You cannot do this with the active infilling of the Holy Spirit. John fifteen twenty six. when he, the helper, comes whom I shall send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So we see that the Spirit proceeds from the Father, and we see that the Word proceeds and emanates from the Father. Everything connects together. The Bible, the Word of God, is this wonderful tapestry 
that all ties together into this beautiful uh, tapestry, this creative thing that he has done, that when you begin to study it and the Spirit begins to open up the eyes of your enlightenment and your understanding and you begin to see it like that rabbi says, you say, wow, I, I never saw that before, Lord, thank you. I mean, I've been studying, I've been saved a little over 32 years now, 32 years and what, two weeks? And I keep learning, and I keep learning, and I keep reading, and I keep feeding, and I'm so hungry that I can't wait for the day that when we're in his presence, when we're in our resurrected bodies, I'm going to have questions. Even though they say you're going to know everything, it won't matter. I'm still going to want to know more. Look at what it says in Revelation 11, verses 3 through 5, about the word of the Lord, about his word. I'll apologize for my voice. I <clears throat> got some sort of allergic reaction going on. Revelation 11, verses 3 through 5. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, Fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemy. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. They are going to speak the word. They are going to speak probably, possibly in tongues, but I believe probably in the original Hebrew. Whatever they speak, whatever words they speak, what will come out will be like fire, will consume their enemies. These are the two witnesses that witness against the Antichrist and the fallen Antichrist system before they're taken home. We need to understand, and speaking of this whole fire thing, I know people get all caught up in calling down fire. That's where the name Firefall comes from. It started out as Firefall Production because I wanted to make media and film content that like the Mount Sinai or Mount Carmel in the upper room brought the fire of God. But everything's not about destroying people with fire. Our hope and our desire is to save them first. If you look at Luke chapter 9, starting with verse 46, uh, the Apostle John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade, forbade him because he does not follow with us. And Yeshua said to him, Do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. And then it came to pass, when the time had come to him to be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent his messengers before his face. And they went and they entered the village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him, because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And his disciple, James and John, who were called the sons of thunder for a reason, they were offended by this, and they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? The Lord turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they just went to another village. This fire of this word is not meant to hurt people. It's meant to save people. It's got to be handled in love, and it's got to be done in accordance with his spirit. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them from the penalty of eternal death. 
But I can tell you in accordance with this word, the time will come when a word of destruction will be spoken on the earth. It's Revelation 19, verses 11 through 15. It talks about the coming Messiah, the conquering king. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who is riding it is called Faithful and True, Trustworthy, Loyal, Incorruptible, Steady. And in his righteousness he judges and makes war on the rebellious rebellious nations. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many royal crowns. And he has a name inscribed on him which no one knows or understands except himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So we know it's Yeshua based upon John 1.1. And the armies of heaven, dressed in fine linen, dazzling, white and clean, followed him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, his word, with which he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he will tread the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty in judgment of the rebellious world. That sword coming out of his mouth is the word of God. We know that from Hebrew 4.12. For the word of God is what? Living. And it's active. And it's full of power. It's making it operative, energizing, effective. It's sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit, which is the completeness of a person, and of the joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's why the fallen don't want the word. That's why the world doesn't want the word. It exposes them. It exposes their intentions. Well, this calling of a ministry of reconciliation, yet that's what we have, by the way, a ministry of reconciliation to restore God the Father to his children. We're not here to destroy them. We're not here to harm them. We're not here to judge them. That's not our place. We're here to restore them in right relationship. It must be filled with his word and must be saturated with the Holy Spirit being endued with power from above. Are you soaked in the Holy Spirit, is it so deep into you, so far that it can never come out? Are you stained with the dye of the Spirit, the dye of his blood? See, that's why in John 17, 17, the Lord prayed to the Father. And he said, sanctify them in the truth. Set them apart for your purposes. Make them holy. Your word is truth. Sanctify means set apart. And there's two ways that we can understand that statement. That we have been separated for holiness and set apart to serve him, to service the kingdom of God. Not man's kingdom, not a personal kingdom. The problem with most people, many people, built their own kingdoms within the kingdom of God. That's not what he said do. He said to build his kingdom. And if you know somebody that's building their own kingdom, somewhere along the way, they lost the way. He was praying that not only should the disciples be kept from evil, but they should advance in holiness. 
sanctification, their mission was to sanctify, set apart, and serve the Lord. And so when the Lord said to the Father, your word is truth, if you, if you want to know if the Bible's true, take it from the Lord. Your word is truth. It's his statement in the veracity of Scripture. People's many opinions will vary. And their experiences in regarding to their opinions are untrustworthy. But God's word always remains true. Now, I'm not saying experiential knowledge isn't good. It's good as long as it lines up with the word. When somebody says to me, well, you know, I've experienced it differently. I know we're entering the danger zone. We're entering the heresy zone. We're entering into, well, God taught me something different. God taught me how to think outside the box. And I always say, but yeah, he didn't teach you how to think outside the book. That's why this is so important. First Peter 2, verses 1 through 3. Put aside every trace of malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander and hateful speech. Like newborn babies, you should long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may be, you may be nurtured and grow in respect to salvation, which is the ultimate fulfillment of the word, if in fact you've already tasted the goodness and the gracious kindness of the Lord. The purpose of studying God's truth is not just to learn more. It's to grow and become more mature in the faith. Later on, Paul in 1 Corinthians picks up on this. However, brothers and sisters, I could not talk to you as spiritual people, but only as to worldly people dominated by human nature, mere infants in the new life in Messiah. I fed you with milk, not solid food for you were not yet able to receive it. Well, even now, you're still not ready. You're still worldly, controlled by ordinary impulses, sinful capacity, for as long as there is jealousy and strife and discord among you, are you not unspiritual? Are you not walking like ordinary men, unchanged by faith? He's saying, I fed you milk, not meat. You're still acting like newborn babies. You should be on that. You should be embarrassed in your stage of development. That milk is the elementary elementary Christian instruction. The meat is advanced doctrine. And here's the problem. The war between the flesh and the spirit is constantly going on. The sinful nature opposed to the spirit, and the spirit opposes the sinful nature. The two are always in direct opposition with each other so that you do the things you don't want to do. And if you look at 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, Romans 7 and 8, it deals with the conflicting nature of the spirit and the flesh in believers, and that's where the problems come. That's why people listen to things they shouldn't because they're tickling their ears. It's what their flesh wants to hear. And as I shared with somebody, I found that believers who need deliverance have never completed the born-again transformation. They've said the words, they've confessed with their mouth, but they've never had a heart transformation and believed in their heart. And being exposed to the Word of God exposes their split personality. People will either want to be free 
or want to hide their problem from others. And that's the importance of the word. And so much more we're going to pick it up next time. And I'm going to tell you, and I'll t- remind everybody next time, don't listen to the second one unless you've understood this one. So, Lord, I just pray right now that we wouldn't be dominated by our human nature, by our flesh, that we wouldn't be babies, that we wouldn't be sitting in a nest like little birds saying, feed me, feed me, regurgitated word, that we would want our own food, we'd want to feed, and we'd want to eat not just milk, but solid food, the meat of the word. We want the true word of God. We want the bread of God. Yeshua, we want you. We want to drink you in. We want to receive you in. We want to be of the kingdom, not of this world. We want to be living beacons of your word and your life and your light. So, Father, I come to you right now as your son, and I pray for everybody that's listening, your sons and daughters. And I pray that through the the spotlight of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, That you would begin to reveal things in their life that keep them from understanding. That you would begin to reveal areas of their life they have not submitted to you and made you given over lordship to you. I pray right now that any false teaching, anything that they have absorbed as truth, would be exposed by your word and by your Holy Spirit if it's not. Fill them with the truth. Fill them with what they need, the measure of faith, the measure of understanding. Open up the eyes of their enlightenment. Open up their mind. Whatever your calling is for them, they need to understand the word that applies to it. They need to understand your kingdom manual, not just what they hold in their hand, but what is inside of them. Father, we want to serve you. We want to make a difference in this fallen world. We want to be light in the darkness. We want to be a a good word in season. We want to be able to give somebody hope and encouragement. So I pray right now, if your heart's sick, if you're beat down, rise up, praise him, praise him, open your heart and your mind to him. Believe in the promises of his word. Believe that he's as good as his word. Because when it comes, it'll be like the tree of life. And you'll drink from it and you'll be alive. And the fruit on your tree will be plentiful and a blessing to others. So, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for all these things. And I pray it in Yeshua's name. Amen. Get into your Bible. Open your Bible. Take down, you know, download these teachings. Look up the scriptures. Write notes. Begin to feed. Begin to feed. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grant. This is The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 